This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that loves its pizza as long as it is legally produced. I'm Andrew Page and with me is Scott Phillips. G'day Andrew, g'day fools. Today on the podcast, unemployment numbers are out. We're going to check in on the state of the working nation. We're going to continue our earnings palooza. We are plumb bang in the middle of earnings season and we've got a bunch of results out. Uh, Telstra, CBA and the networks, 7 and 10. We'll dig into that. And as alluded to earlier, the real price of your cheap pizza. Make Domino's. my barbecue meat lovers, please, Andrew. Do you like that? I do very much. Well, Domino's has gotten itself into a little bit of hot water. The market's reacted, and we're just going to have a little look under the hood there and see exactly what is going on. But first, Scott, unemployment, everyone's favourite topic. <laughs> it's uh, mostly uh, not really. We, we, we get the latest figures, and then we sort of talk about it and go, yeah, it's all right, there's mm. nothing great. Well, well, let's start with the headline numbers. We actually saw unemployment come down a little it bit. It did. Everyone should be cheering. Woo! Look, we talk about unemployment kind of every month and we do it because we kind of have to and we should because it really matters. Mm-hmm. But really digging into the numbers is the important part here. So unemployment dropped from 5.8 to 5.7. Cue the party poppers and champagne. Huge. The problem was that the reason it fell was because less people were actually looking for work. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where the fewer people look for work, the lower the unemployment rate gets, even if there's no more jobs created. Now, that should be taken with a very significant grain of salt. Our colleague, Joe Mager from Lake House Capital, would point out at this point that the sample size is also incredibly small and the confidence interval means there's somewhere between 10 or 20,000 jobs created and about 10 or 20,000 jobs lost. Um, that is literally the, the, the breadth of the, of the big, confidence Big rate. margin of error. So we need, to be, we need to be careful with that. The other thing I would say is that the participation rate actually rose in previous months. So to mm-hmm. some degree, it's going back to a more normal level. Yep. That kind of explains why it went up in the first place, then back down. What matters more for everybody in the economy and frankly, for people listening is, can you get a job? Can you work the number of hours you want? Mm. And can you do the sort of work you're good at? And that's the open question. Look, unemployment, 5.7%. That's pretty good in the current environment. Yeah. About five, we said before, is about full employment. Mm. So there are people out there who want work, who should be able to get work and the economy is not quite firing at all cylinders. Um, but it's not a terrible result, all things considered, from an economic perspective, particularly given the fact we're still coming out of that mining bust and the non-mining sector hasn't quite picked up all of that slack just yet. You know, another theme that was continued with this month's numbers that we've seen uh, for a little while now is that? it's that difference between part-time and full-time. Yep. So we saw the number of part-time uh, jobs shrink again and uh, the slack taken up by people moving into part-time work. Yeah. Um, a lot of those people have, have indicated you know, that they would prefer to be able to be working more. So there's, there's a difference between unemployment and underemployment. Spot on. And it, uh, it seems that the underemployment uh, phenomenon is increasing, which is a little bit of a worry. The last one from the unemployment numbers, Andrew, was that there was a change between male and female jobs. There were female jobs created at the expense of male jobs, mm-hmm. as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Not, not the jobs themselves, but the employees. Um, the, the unemployment rate among women actually fell. Mm. The unemployment rate among men actually rose. And so you've got this potential question about what's happening with the composition of the jobs market. Of course, any woman can do any job a man can do and vice versa. But the female dominated roles tend to be growing. They tend to be service jobs. Mm -hmm. The jobs that we're losing tend to be manufacturing jobs that are male dominated. So that trend does remain prevalent in the Australian economy as we speak. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Scott, let's dive into... Earnings palooza. Palooza, palooza, palooza. So it's week three. <laughs> it is indeed. Week three, we're here. And look, there's... The month of February is a big month. It and we're really just is. past halfway through it. It really is. And we got some big, big names uh, reporting we in did. this last week. 
Let's... Like long names, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, or in really Just... big font? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Okay, that'll okay, do. Okay. That'll, that'll names do. in really big font. <laughs> that's right. The capital letters. And, and the first name that's uh, in big font <laughs> is Telstra. Uh, the biggest of the big names. The, 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 the mum and dad income stock, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the one that I think, you know, virtually every Australian with a, a super fund and, and a portfolio yep. owns. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying it's the most widely held stock on the ASX. I'm thinking because of those, uh, the T1s and T2s and Indeed. the rest of it. Indeed. So you are looking here at a headline number that was pretty ordinary, uh, net profit down 14%. Yeah, and it was actually worse on a per share basis and uh, it was it was ugly across the board. It really um, was. Telstra really struggling at the moment. It's, it's just, Telstra is one of those businesses that is really in the middle of the tech revolution. Now, we mm. think about tech revolution, we think software companies, we think- Facebook, you know, yeah, Google, Uber, Apple, Airbnb, yep. Amazon, yep. take your pick. You don't kind of think of Telstra, right? Telstra's the sleepy old <laughs> t- telco that, you know, provides you a home broadband, your mobile services. Yeah. But the, the, the change we're making is the move from home to mobile yeah. and the move from voice to data. And those are two really, really, really big changes. Yeah. If you think about what's going on there, Telstra make about twice as much money per dollar of revenue mm from fixed line that are from mobile. So mm, nice. you, if you give me a margin. call on your home phone, you mm. pay your 22 cents, 26 cents, whatever it is for a phone call, Telstra bank about a 60% profit margin on that. That's mm. pretty nice money. Yeah. If you call me on the mobile instead, Telstra only make about 30% margin on that call. Mm. Now you're using your mobile more often. I'm using mine more often. Mm. Fewer people have home phones anymore. Yeah. And so what's happening is the margins, even though, even though revenue is roughly flat and it is, you've got massive declines when it comes to profitability. Yeah. And that's the number you're talking about. The other problem, of course, is that as we turn off our fixed lines, right now we've got both a home line and a mobile, most of us do. Mm-hmm. As we switch off the home phones, we're not adding a second mobile. No. So we're also adding less money to reven- to, to Seltra's coffers when it comes to the revenue line. So yeah. that's a pretty, pretty bleak story, quite frankly, for our big telco. Yeah. The positive, if you like, or, or the, the reality is there's something like 50% more data being used on Telstra's mobile network, I want to say, mm. than it was in December 2015. Yeah. That's a 50% growth. And you think about Telstra, already dominant, already massive, half again as much data we're using, the Netflixes, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, the streaming music, the everything else's yes. being pumped through Telstra's lines. But you're not really charging the same per bit of data though. You got it. That's the problem. So we're all paying about the same per month mm. as we were a year, two years, three years ago. Just get much bigger packages these days. And yeah. it costs Telstra money. Now they yeah. don't have to charge, they don't, they don't have to pay per bit of data that goes through their line. You mm. put a copper line up, no matter how much stuff you shove through it or don't shove through it, it only costs you the same price. Mm. The problem is when you need to add a second or third or fourth copper line to carry all that data, more cell towers, more switches, more mm. networks, more pits in the ground, mm. all the stuff you need to do to get the data to people. Every time you have to add a new bit of infrastructure, that costs money. And if I'm not paying Telstra any more than I was last year, mm. they're putting more infrastructure in place to get the same amount of money from me. That means costs go up, revenue stays flat. And what happens? Margins get squeezed. Margins fall and profits mm. fall. And that's exactly what we saw this week. And let's add another wrinkle to all of this, <laughs> um, if that wasn't enough. You depressed yet? Already. <laughs> How's that for an exciting start to the podcast? Uh, <laughs> Happy days are here again. Well, the, 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 the trouble is, of course, is this transition to the MBN yeah, as right. well. You know, so they... They were this, um, they were, you know, in many ways, an infrastructure provider. They just had this wonderful asset and they charged people huge amounts of money to access it. Now they're losing that privilege. Yes. Um, so that's going to, another thing that's going to hurt their margins. It's going to hurt their um, competitive uh, advantage there uh, as well. Um, now the government is paying um, a pretty penny in compensation, um, about $9 billion net uh, yep. as that transition occurs. That's billion with a B. That's with a B. So when... 
you roll it all together. I think you and I are on the same page here. I don't think anyone's anyone would suggest that this is something that you buy and you're going to double your money in a year. <laughs> but I, we both, I think, are, are agree that it's it is um, it does have a place in a portfolio. So yeah. how, how do you, how do we start with all of those negatives and then and then end up with a comment like that? There, there's two key things for me, Andrew. The first is that Telstra added two hundred thousand mobile services in the last six months. Yeah. Now. Think about that in the context of we've already, we've already got mobiles. We've mm. already got iPads. We've already got iPhones. We've already got, you know, everything we could possibly want we've already got. Yep. Yet they managed to add 200,000 new services mm. to their to their, to their their network. Mm. At the same time, we haven't seen the new numbers, but last half, Optus and Vodafone both declined. They lost customers from their mobile network. Telstra's winning market share. Telstra is absolutely getting it done. It's winning market share. It's going... Excuse me, it's gaining mobile customers, it's gaining fixed line customers, it's gaining data customers, business customers. Telstra is the dominant and growing telco far and away, you know, in excess of anything else that's happening across the network. Now, that's the first thing. Second thing is, while we talked about the profitability of the fixed line, the mobile network, once you strip out that fixed line business, once the NBN takes all that over, what you're left with is a fast growing, high quality, massively dominant mobile network. Mm. And so for me, the hidden value in Telstra, if you like, although it shouldn't be that hidden, when you look at the headline numbers, the hidden piece is the mobile business, which is growing nicely mm. and has a very long I think a very prosperous future ahead of it. The other thing for me too is that you know everything has a price. You know, um, there's there's plenty of companies. As out, Kerry Packer once famously uh, said, it's it's so true. You know, there's a whole bunch of dodgy, specky, crappy companies that I've got no interest in in owning. But Indeed. if someone said, "Hey, you can have it for a cent," I'd be crazy not to. Correct. So somewhere between a cent and a million dollars, there's a very <laughs> there's a very reasonable price for this for this company. I'll buy it for a cent and sell it to you for a million bucks. How's that? And no, thanks. Okay. Um, and 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 what you've got here with Telstra is, I think, is that people say, ah, look, there's no growth. Yeah, that's that's true. There's, it's going to be a while before that really um, uh, comes in. And when it does, it's, it's never going to be fantastic. But you are looking at a business that's got um, a pile of cash that it can potentially return to shareholders. You're looking at a yield of six and a, almost six and a half percent. That's fully franked. So you get all those lovely franks. That's almost 10% when you include the, front, the tax benefits. So if I, I, I treat it like a bond, yep. right? So it's something that I buy now. James Bond? The the, the license to thrill. The the, <laughs> the, 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 the the I'm I'm never going to get a huge capital gain out of this thing. No, I wouldn't say never. But well, you're probably not going to get a huge gain. Not not anytime soon. Yep. Let's say, and uh, unless you just get really lucky. But I'll probably be able to sell it for roughly what I bought it for, maybe five years down the track. I'll clip the ticket and 10% on the way through. And for a lot of people, that holds a lot of appeal, especially when they're getting, what, 2% in, in a term deposit or something like that. Yeah, it's a pretty attractive deal. Really reliable cash flows, high quality business, um, reasonably well run. It's got some headwinds, but I think, as you, as you rightly point out, Andrew, at the current price, hard to go past. It's a buy for me. Yeah, yeah, buy for me too. Motley Fool Money. Um, i tell you what isn't a buy for me, um, because we've we've... We've bashed the banks before. Let's let's do it again. Um, CBA had a result out, and here's the thing: every time the the banks um, report, particularly CBA, it always starts off with record result. And was, I can't remember just, when it wasn't a record result. Phil, just get comfortable, settle down. Andrew's about to come with a very, very long one. He's pushing off the site <laughs> screen. He's coming in Dennis Liliesque into the wickets. You know, and he's it. starting with a net profit number. Go with it. Oh, look, where credit credit is due. You know, these these guys, um, they they just keep breaking those records. Therefore, you should buy the shares. But here's the trouble. Here's the trouble. That growth is <laughs> slowing. So we saw a two percent increase here in their mm -hmm. cash profit. That's their preferred profit. It's mm -hmm. a more more accurate representation of what's going on in the Literally. business. Um, obviously a lot of people buy CBA and the banks for their dividends yes. and the dividend was one cent higher, you know, it's okay. like less than a percent Happy higher. Days. Um, so a very, very small issue here. They're all talking about this, this difficulty in, in, in achieving growth. There's regulatory hurdles that they're having to, um, to, to overcome. 
uh, rate of credit growth isn't fantastic. Yep. They're tightening their lending conditions. So this is all to sort of say that, you know, I, I sort of look at it as a range of possibilities. And on the upside here, I've got a world where the banks just keep chugging along mm -hmm. and maybe I average about 10% per year over the next few years. Very, very decent result. The trouble is, is that the downside of that is, is much more significant. There's this huge asymmetry between what is the best case and what is the worst case and where oh, we are at the moment. It never falls in Australia, Andrew. What is the worst well, here's, case? Well, here's my thing. It's not- I make a lot of money or not much it's money. It's not, I, I know I, this message gets confused. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with a property crash. Although mm -hmm. obviously if that happened, that these guys would be absolutely taken to the cleaners. It's one of those scenarios where- it, you know, even under the, the best possible of scenarios, credit growth is, is, is almost certain to slow. That's going to slow their growth. Yes, they've got a good yield. But you add it all together, you've got something with potential upside, which is pretty or pretty ordinary. And um, again, that, that downside is pretty significant. So for me, and the, the market loved the results. Shares were up 2% at the time. They've already gone up 20% or so this year. So why are you so negative? Everything has on making money. Everything has a price, and it comes back to that. So I mean, it, it's not an anti-bank thing. I would load up as much as I possibly can at the right time, but for me at this point, this is not the right time. This is not the right price. I Do you disagree? Like, I don't like agreeing with you, Andrew. It makes me very unhappy. I, I know you agree. You. I know you agree. <clears throat> it makes a much better podcast too. Just quietly, <laughs> got a frog in my throat. Apologies. Um, look, I, I completely agree with you. I think that the. I was completely stunned by the response to the Commonwealth Bank result. Profit was basically dead flat. Mm. Um, and NAB's profit was dead flat the week before. Yeah. And investors just seemed to ignore it. It's like, well, at least the, at least the dividend's up. And this is, look, I, you know, in a very low interest rate environment that you talked about with Telstra, I get that people are looking at banks and going, well, I can get four and a half, five percent fully franked from a bank. They don't get in the, you know, in the banks. Mm -hmm. um, so I might as well buy the shares. I kind of get that view, I, I have to say. I think it's just a, it's an interesting challenge because if you're trying to, here's the thing. If you just want the income, there's, there are worse places to go within the banks. The mm. problem is, as you've already mentioned, Andrew, that it's very possible, maybe not even likely, but very possible that if credit growth slows sufficiently, bank profits will fall. And if they fall, the bank shares get very expensive. There's no point earning four and a half or 5% if you give that back and maybe even more if the share price declines. Mm. So there is a, there is value in getting a regular income for the rest of your life buying quality businesses and holding them, even if you don't beat the market, mm. we'd say probably should beat the market. But if you don't, if you don't want to beat the market, you don't want to play that game, at least go and get a great return income wise, get a mm. fully frank dividend, mm. make the, make the full benefit of get the full benefit of that tax value, mm. but know what you're buying and buy quality. See CBA quality. Yes, it is. But are the earnings quality? Well, if property, property prices decline or stay stagnant, if they can't mm. get profit growth, then the earnings aren't exactly as high quality as people are currently expecting. And that, as you said, mm. is the is the difference between the risk and the reward. Yes, there's some reward on offer, mm. but there's a much larger risk, we think, present if those profits fail to grow or, in fact, fall into decline. A very br brief aside here. Usually when, when this sort of thing comes up, one of the, one of the responses I, I get, especially from uh, more typically um, baby boomer generations who have held this thing for a long, long time and just done exceptionally well out of it, absolutely hats off to that. They've done incredibly well totally. out of it. But they tend to sort of say, yeah, I get all of that, but I paid such a low price, so it doesn't matter. Mm. And and for me, that's very fuzzy thinking. Um, obviously, what you paid is important. That turns out that that tells you what return you've made. Indeed. But but every day that you decide to continue holding is that that's you're really making a decision from that point forward. The market doesn't know what you paid. It doesn't care what you paid. The reality is, is you're holding shares at a certain value today. 
You've got to contrast that against a future expectation and you've got to contrast that against other opportunities that are out there. So whether you paid one cent for CBA or whether you paid 90 bucks for CBA, the fact is they're worth whatever they are, 70 $85? bucks. $85? 80, jeez, 85. They're not 85, are they? $85 and eight cents as we speak. Seriously? Indeed. Um, uh, that's what they're worth today. Yep. And if you wouldn't buy them, so if you didn't own them today, would you buy them today? Maybe the answer is yes. And if that's that's the case, we'll keep holding them. If you wouldn't, then that is a very, very, um, I think, telling sign that perhaps you should consider at least selling some down, particularly when you look at a lot of people who they've got all the four banks, probably represent about 40% of their portfolio. It's a very, very risky proposition. Probably more just quietly. Let me let me restate what you just said, Andrew, one, one clear way for, for listeners. If you paid two bucks for Commonwealth Bank shares and now worth $85, you've done extraordinarily well. You have a choice today. You can either keep those shares and get the future gains. Yep. Or you can take your 85 bucks and go and invest it somewhere else. Yeah. The only question you have to ask right now is what do I do with that $85 mm. to maximize my future returns? Either hold CBA shares or sell them and buy something else. You can hold them. It's passive. It's fine. But if CBA goes from 80, $85 to hundred mm. and that same $85 could have been spent buying someone else's shares that go to 150, mm. then you're much, much better it's an opportunity cost. buying something else. Yeah. Now you do have to factor in tax and all of that, but Indeed. just something to think about. Motley Fool Money. Now let's... <laughs> From the sublime Jeez, to the ridiculous to here. The, to the television network. So get this. Um, Seven Network, um, Seven West Media, Yep, uh, uh, their profit was down <clears throat> 91%. So a lot. So a huge <laughs> amount here. Um, uh, like, That's not good, right? They, look, geez, where do you start? And then they've got, there's a CEO who's embroiled in a bit of a scandal at the moment, um, being a bit cheeky with um, his ex executive assistant. Allegedly. Um, doing all kinds of recreational Allegedly. Uh, uh, drugs allegedly. on the side. That's uh, Andrew Page. P -A -G. Allegedly. Yep. I said allegedly. Okay. I spoke to the lawyers. Uh, and and uh, you've, you've got a chairman who's staunchly sort of defending them. And, you know, all, all on the backdrop of, of plunging profits. Let, let's, let me start um, at the beginning here. Is this industry fundamentally broken? Is it in a, a terminal structural decline? To answer that, Andrew, I'm going to mention one other thing, and that is that Network 10 also reported this week. Yes. And 10 is facing a full year earnings loss of up to $30 million due to weak ad revenue and rising costs. Yeah. Now, I can answer the question for you about Channel 7, but if I throw 10 in the mix and say two of the big three commercial broadcasters, one's going to have profits for by 91%, mm. the other one's going to lose $30 million. I reckon I can ask my four-year-old the answer. I reckon you'd get that one right. Yeah, this yeah. is an industry. In fact, the seven, seven boss, no, 10 boss, Paul Anderson said that network, the industry was under, and I quote, severe duress. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a, I mean, from a, from a CEO whose job it is normally to say how well things are going and spin the results and tell people how wonderful life is. When you come out and say, yeah, guys, we're pretty much, let's say stuffed for the purposes of a PG audience. Mm. Um, you, you know, things are, you know, things are, are not going so well. This is this is the real challenge. The, the let, let me let me do a bit of inside baseball for a second. Mm -hmm. The Motley Fool back in two thousand had an, a free website mm -hmm. and we had ad revenues. Yeah, and those ad revenues were great. We had lots of venture capital money. And if I tell you two thousand, you'll know exactly where this he is going. Heady days of the tech boom. Yeah. It was wonderful. People threw money at us until they didn't throw money at us. And at that point, we realised that the an ad supported model was always going to be tough. You needed Very to move cyclical. towards, mm. particularly when it comes to certain parts of the industry, mm. you need to move towards a subscription model. Now. If you're thinking about television, we've got mm. so Foxtel versus Seven. Mm. Think about ad-supported media, City Morning Herald versus mm. a paid subscription model. Mm. Those kinds of things, the Daily Telegraph, Herald Sun, the same thing. Those models, you, you are far better off if you're asking people to go to your 
site, your business, your whatever, giving them what they want, charging them for it. You pay much more to watch Foxtel than watch Channel 7. Mm. But the content you're prepared to pay for is also bigger. And that's the key challenge for the networks is they haven't got that. Mm. Now, I think radio is a little bit different. Radio has a... It's it's a it's a passive medium, mm -hmm. and so you've got it. You're in the car, you're at home, it's on in the background. You listen to your favorite songs, your favorite commentators, whatever it is. Favorite podcast, favorite exactly. Um, you, well, we should subscribe to the podcast. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> subscribe to the podcast, but listen to the radio. Mm. It, it, that, that's a very different medium because you're not saying to people, you know, stop what you're doing, mm. focus solely on this thing. Mm. But when it comes to reading the newspaper, when it comes to watching television, you are actually saying, other than if you're trying to name the kids, mm. here is a here is a here is a a product, whether that be a an article, a news article, something else, a classified, mm. whether that's something that's you're watching on TV, you're saying, please come and watch this thing. It's of value. You will value it. You will pay for it. It's mm. worth doing. Mm. And that's where the ad versus the subscription model breaks down a little yeah. bit for particularly television networks. And this is what they're struggling with. Yeah. They can't get enough advertising revenue to pay for things like the sports that are on Foxtel, mm. to pay for those other things that people will... Even the Olympics didn't go well for them, right? Right. And so this is, that's they got a bit of extra stuff. revenue out of it, but they spent a whole bunch of extra money in getting it. Because they had to pay for the eyeballs. And yeah. this is exactly the problem. But yeah. they're, they're, you know, the, the viewer is the product and the viewer is going somewhere mm. else. They're, they're YouTube, online, Netflix. Apple, Amazon, yeah. Netflix, everything mm. else. That's the big challenge for the networks. They are absolutely in structural decline. Yeah. Now, partly they're saying that because they want to say to the government, hey, don't make us pay for yes. um, Spectrum anymore. Yeah. Give us the Spectrum free because things are going so tough. Mm. They might get away with that. They might not. Mm. But that's the key challenge for the networks is how do you, and frankly, I'm glad I'm not there. Yeah. I don't know how you find a free model that has enough revenue coming in mm. to support something. That otherwise, you're paying 35, 50, 7,500 bucks a month for like Foxtel. Mm. If, I'm, if I'm getting sport plus movies plus everything else on Foxtel, it's 100 bucks a month. Yeah. And people are paying that. Not everyone's mm. paying that, but mm. enough people are to pay for the content. Yeah. Seven and 10, nine have got to say, I hope enough advertisers will pay us enough money mm. so they can watch the news, so they can watch something else. Yeah. The other issue for seven and 10, quite frankly, is nine is resurgent in the ratings. This mm. is the third part of the problem. Yeah. When it comes to, so the industry's under struggle, mm. the networks themselves, if you're not winning, you're losing. And seven West was already in the preeminent position. 10 was already in the, in the frankly, in the gutter, struggling to get ratings. Mm. Seven have only got one way to go. 10 can go up a long way. But they've got to get enough momentum and neither business so far is doing particularly well. I said everything has a price. It does. Um, but the price for me is still way too high. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going near that thing. No. Way too high. Couldn't pay me to. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Now, let's let's pivot again. Now, the last five minutes, yes. we need to do this pretty quickly, but Domino's, everyone knows Domino's. Yes, the box um, with the dots, as the, I recall from my childhood. Exactly. They have just the been... For what's in the box with the dots, <laughs> Domino's. There you go. Such a, like, I've said this before, if you could travel back in time and buy a share, this is, this is one of those ones that really top, top your list. 88 miles an hour. Absolutely. You fire up the DeLorean. So <laughs> this, is, this is, over the last 10 years, I'll give you some numbers on this. Yes. Earnings and dividends have both increased at an average annual pace of 25% per year. <laughs> that's just, that means they're doubling every three years. Yep. Well, that's what that's what the business has done. Wow. Shareholders have yes. actually seen a near 40% average annual income. So if you're doubling your money in less than two years and you've done that for 10 years. <laughs> so that's effectively doubling five times over 10 years. It's the company that sells pizzas, <laughs> right? It is phenomenal. Um, what could well, possibly go wrong? Well, actually, I should correct myself. It, it doesn't sell pizzas. It sells franchises. 
And and there's a there's a difference there. It's an oh man, we, we it should, does it does sell pizzas as well for the record. Well, it does have company it does have, stores, it does have a few company owned stores, but they're not anywhere near as good as the franchise stores. Correct. And we we'll dive into this at another stage. But the, the wonderful plan. the wonderful advantage you have with that is that someone else comes along, ponies up the dough. Um, works their guts. So they, they're basically buying themselves a job. So yes. the economics are different for yes. them. Um, uh, you've now got a, a captive customer and to sell all the raw ingredients to. You've got a captive customer that will pay you a certain percentage off their top line mm -hmm. that will pay you for training and marketing and franchise rights. And they're all very significant. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they have just executed that in an incredible way. So wonderful story. Yes. Wonderful story. Um, Yet shares are down about 30% in the last little while. Um, now they, things got pretty heated. The, the, the price to earnings multiple, some listeners will be familiar with there. It's the ratio of what the share price is relative to its underlying earnings was up around 80 at one stage. <laughs> oh, so every $1 of, com of money that this company was making, the, the market was prepared to pay 80 bucks for. That's come back, but it's still 50. So there's huge phenomenal amounts of sort of growth expectations here. Yeah. And what's really sort of you know, taken the wind out of their sales, there's been a bit of a, um, a, an allegation here that some of their franchisees aren't paying their staff full legal wages. That's page P-A-G-E. <laughs> I'm just reporting what the papers are saying. Um, <laughs> is that a worry? Look, the Domino's story is a good one. I think you're right about selling the franchises. We shouldn't overlook though the ability of Domino's to create demand. They've done a spectacular job with creating demand for their product, their pizzas. Mm. They've absolutely shown Pizza Hut, Eagle Boys, everyone else a clean pair of heels. Mm. They've dominated, just taken over and dominated the pizza industry. They're doing it cheaper, they're doing it better, they're doing it faster. Um, than anyone else in the industry. That I, just I think they're the third point emphasis. It's not like the pizza's that, that much better, frankly. Uh, people disagree with that, you know, but, but, but... I'm a simple man, Andrew. A barbecue meat lovers, Domino's will do me. Oh, uh, look, it'll do me too, you know, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of a bit of different sort of niches to what the, the crusts <laughs> or the pizza capers, or if you go up a little bit, or then sort of, you know, the local sort of Italian joint that just does the best pizzas ever in a yeah, proper right. stone oven. Yep. Um, but, but it's, you're right. It's, it's the systems that they've got in place. It's the scale advantages that they have. It's all of the technology that they, they have been absolutely leading the pack there and what you can do. They're talking about like robot deliveries and drones and the rest of it. Um, now to your point, look, the franchise, the franchisees have alleged to have been doing, some franchisees yep. have been alleged to have been doing the wrong thing. Yep. Docking wages, not paying people appropriately. Mm. There's even allegations out there of, of them helping other people get visas to come and work for the company yep. inappropriately. Plenty of allegations. I have to say, I'm reminded of Warren Buffett's quote that, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, the company he runs, he's the third, second richest man in the world. He says, it's, we've got a hundred thousand people working for us. At some point, somewhere, someone's doing the wrong Inevitable. thing. Inevitable. And so the Domino's system does... Look, frankly, pizzas are cheap and yeah. you've got to sell a heap of them and make some money. Yeah. So if you're a franchisee, you've got to work bloody hard just to stand still. Oh, tough job. That makes that does make it tough. And frankly, mm. I can understand the, the temptation to say, well, how can I cut some costs here? But cutting people's wages is a pretty, is yeah, a pretty exploitation, right? And so Domino's said, look, we don't stand for it. We don't think it's right. We'll investigate. We'll do what we can. We'll get it fixed. I should hope so. Yep. And and that's I think that's the, the crux of the story. The Domino's model breaks if they can't get franchisees, yep. if it can't open enough stores, if it can't get growth, mm. that does cause problems. Mm. Sales are growing at 9% a year mm. on a like-for-like -like basis in Australia, on a store-by-store -store basis. Mm. When it's creating that much demand, I've got to believe that the long-term story is still very, very positive for Domino's. It is the dominant and growing pizza delivery mob in the country. I don't think that'll change anytime soon. What about soon. the price though? So again, we're back to, it's been the theme this podcast though. So yeah, great business and, and they'll probably sail through this and it's probably an isolated incident or mm. so, but are you happy to pay the current share price? 
Ah, uh, not the current share price, but I'm actually not miles away. You mentioned yeah. that the P is 45 times, which is dramatically, the average market's about 15, 16. So that's three yeah. times more expensive than the market. Yeah. The difference is the results delivered by Domino's have been nothing short of astounding. As I said, same source has of 9%, which is unheard of in any retail really, but particularly in this sort of space, mm. incredibly, incredibly large numbers. Um, they're getting a, you know, they had a 27% lift in sales, more than a billion dollars. Um, they had a 21.1% lift in total revenue. Um, they're just doing a, a spectacular job of delivering growth for shareholders. And I, and I have to say, right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on them not delivering on these sort of yeah. very, very lofty expectations. But I think it's a very fair chance that they do very well from here. I certainly wouldn't short them. I'll put it that way. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a fair chance they'll beat the market. If they don't, they'll go pretty close to matching it from here. Yeah. Yep. I'll agree with that. We better finish this up, mate. We've Indeed. gone on too long again. I blame uh, you. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And if you like what you're doing, please give us a five-star rating. And even if you don't, give us a five-star rating just because you're a nice guy. Alternatively, if you're in front it, of your computer, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Subscribe to our free newsletter. Find out more about the Motley Fool. If you like what we're doing, sign up. If you don't like what you do, what we're doing, sign one of your friends up. Uh, they'll enjoy what we've got to offer. <laughs> well said. Until next time, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.